podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Hello, fuckers. My name's Ian Loring, and welcome to Film Bastards. We hope you're well. I've completely lost my flow there because I don't usually open the show with hello fuckers. <laughs> As always, I am joined by Becky Foster. Hello, everybody. And Matt Foster. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello, one and all. Uh, coming up on this week's show, not the Suicide Squad, but Jungle Cruise. Um, and also... We're um, making the retro review a regular thing. Uh, more detail on um, how we are picking that to come later on. Um, but this week's retro review, because I was watching it on Netflix and I said we should review this. And Mark said, yeah, go on then. And Becky went along with it. Is Wolfgang Peterson's In the Line of Fire, which in the UK at least is in 4K on Netflix. And it looks good. It does. It does. Um, so, yeah, we're not doing the Suicide Squad this week. Have you two? You two haven't seen it yet, have you? Yeah, we have, yeah. yeah. Oh, you have? Okay. Okay. Fuck. Okay. Let's get Becky's thoughts on No. Becky's dialing in. <laughs> Becky's dialing in. So, right. Anyway, the reason... Fuck me. What a catastrophe of an opening. I'm so sorry. It, it, it's still a little bit better than most of mine. <laughs> my, yeah, no, I don't know about that. Um, so the reason why we're not reviewing the Suicide Squad this week is because uh, Mark and I are actually seeing each other in real life, along with Noel Mellor and Jordan McGrath this weekend. Uh, so um, I'm guessing, actually, all uh, what well, Jordan, Mark and I have already seen the Suicide Squad, but I think we're going to watch it again with Noel. Yep. I think is the plan, yeah. um, which is maybe a hint of what we thought of it. Probably. I yeah. can't imagine I'd be that up for watching it again if I didn't like it. Um, and uh, Becky will be dialing in for uh, for that review as well. Um, yeah. So uh, it, it's going to same time as we're going to watch it. Are you, Bex? Yes. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a different one next week. It's been nearly two fucking years since the last bastards on the road. Um, it has, yeah, which is terrifying. Like that's, I really, really, really don't like that. It's been about 22 months since Jordan's wedding. That is fucking mental. Really, really don't like that. Um, time is a bastard. Uh, but yeah, next week should be a really, really chaotic show. <laughs> um, yes. Oh my god, yeah. Um, but you've, you've had a chaotic introduction on this one so far. So uh, we are a Pod Syndicate podcast, podsyndicate.com, for other like minded, fine feathered friends such as Chin Stroker versus Punter, his film, her movie, Entertainment Landfill, the Iron Sequel, uh, the Rewatch Project. Uh, I think, I believe that is it. I never want to forget anyone, but I think that was it. Um, and 
com forward slash film bastards if you would like to help out the show by paying two dollars a month and getting a weekly bonus show where we go through a series of films or a filmmaker or whatever at the moment we are doing the bastards get sparkly where i regret my choices as we tackle david slade's third uh twilight film well not his third twilight film the third twilight film david slade's eclipse Jesus fucking Christ, Ian. Um, and yeah, and there's a Bond commentary series uh, where Andrew Jones and I uh, talked through Die Another Day. That is now up. The next one of those is going to be Mark and I talking Casino Royale, which we will Ooh. do at some point in probably late August, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the next year before the new Bond comes out, that doesn't Fuck. In the next two months. Nah, it will happen. <laughs> Fuck you, will you? Stop it. Fine. Oh, right. Cursed film. It's not the cursed film. It is the cursed. It is the cursed film. So, oh, it's a little bit the cursed film. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it is interesting though, isn't it? Because you know, COVID kind of update for this week. Shit kind of seems. You know, cases are pretty consistent, but the Delta surge has basically already happened over here. Um, it's happening in the US at the moment, but mainly in places where uh, people are unvaccinated. So, you know, that's a bit of fucking Darwinism at play there almost. I mean, it's it, it's not really, but the whole it's just affecting the dumb people who won't get the fucking vaccine. You know, some people can't get it because of like medical or religious reasons. Absolutely fair enough. But the people are refusing to get it for silly reasons. You know, fine. You know, if if they die off, there's no, I'm not going to say that. I was about to say a really horrible thing there, which would have been really harsh. Um, but I'll say it. Go on. That's not bad karma, I'll say. <laughs> that's exactly. Yeah, but that's exactly my point. But yeah, so, you know. Yes, the Green Knight got pulled and that other film got pulled, but nothing else has happened this week, um, which is promising. Um, we shall see how it goes, but I'm feeling Touchwood fairly confident about cinema, I think, through the rest of the year. Shit would have to go really sideways for, I think, like November, December to be a problem at this point. And uh, yeah, I, I I think we will get Bond next month. Fucking hell, next month. Is it next month? It's September. Yeah. Jeez. Like really late September. Nice. Like literally, I think September the thirtieth. But technically, that is next month. Um. So, in terms of movie news, have you got anything pressing there, Mark? Pressing movie news? No, there's, there's, there's not, been, not been much. Uh, people people are suing um, movie studios. So, <laughs> so Scarlett Johansson is is um, suing Disney. Um, Emma Stone might be suing Disney. Dwayne Rock Johnson is not suing Disney. Um, David Batista thinks that uh, Disney should have made um, Drax the movie rather than. Um, I mean, I don't watch that. Rather than Black Widow, um, which he has, has now, now commented on a base, said, 
look, it was a joke. It's been taken the wrong okay. way. I am not getting involved in any of that shit. And uh, Jared Butler's suing, um, I don't know, somebody. Millennium about, uh, Films. Yeah. Olympus has fallen. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, he's suing the producers of the first movie, but not the other ones. <laughs> so he can yeah. keep doing them. He um, reckons he's down about like ten million dollars in like bonuses that were promised to him or something in it. Yes. I mean that film was, you know, I, I remember when that came out, it was like Olympus is fallen versus White House Down, and everyone yeah. was thinking White House Down was going to be the uh, like the 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 one out of the two, and then Olympus has fallen completely fucking eats its lunch. Um, yeah. I mean, the reason for that was Olympus Fallen was a lot of fun and White House Down was so painfully long. <laughs> Who directed White House Down? It's a random... Is it Roland Emmerich or...? It might be, you know. I think it might be. It is, but it, it, it's about two and two hours, 20 minutes long or something like that. Maybe two hours, 10. Um, but it's just way too long. I've seen White House down a couple of times. I don't. I don't mind Emmerich, it. Yeah, it's Royal Denmark. Yeah, yeah, fucking hell. It it is way too long. But I mean, like that's the thing. Olympus has fallen. Was just this like all low budget in comparison, down and dirty, fucking nasty little Anton Fuqua directed thing. Lest we forget that was directed by Anton Fuqua. Um, yeah. And it it it, it, it you know it, it packed a punch and it made money. But Millennium Films are a little bit kind of shifty, like who the fuck actually owns them, like who's actually bankrolled. It's it's one of those ones where they like film everywhere where life is cheap. Um, and so, <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah, I, I'm not I'm not surprised with that. Scarlett Johansson suing Disney, and then Disney coming out with the. Maybe the least classy fucking statement to come out of a movie studio in a good long while. Yeah, that wasn't great. To be fair, in my defense of Disney, no, not in my defense of Disney, in my mind, if I worked for Disney and was basically charged with, right, put, put something out that just that is just so Disney is Disney business mind it is untrue that is the statement I put out if you would have asked me before that statement came out what are Disney going to say that would have been it just the whole what was it the callous disregard for the effects of the Covid pandemic and it is like motherfucker you lot were doing everything you could to open up last fucking year and you know and, and just the the fucking cheek of Disney to go, woe is us. We paid her $20 million. She's already had enough, hasn't she? Disclosing her salary is a real classless act. It's just bad form. It's, uh. it, 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 it's some proper setting fire of fucking shit there. Because mm. um, there is a... There's an oddity, and I, I'm going to be very careful with the way that I say this. But there's been a a collection, a group of actors, um, so Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Johansson, Chris Evans, and Chris Hemsworth 
would be the key ones that fall into that mm. there mm. um who have all become incredibly wealthy mm. uh, robert downey jr and scott johansson especially because they have been over the past 10 years the highest paid actor and actress and among the top between them consistently the top three or four highest paid actors on the planet and that isn't because Scarlett Anson did Under the Skin or Robert Downey Jr. did The Juror or whatever it was he did The Judge that was the one uh, it isn't because of those it's because of their involvement in that um, so I'm, I'm very much playing devil's advocate on this I can see why somebody at Disney's going I mean fucking come on we've written a lot of checks for this person Breach their contract, it, though they need. No, a- absolutely, absolutely. If they breach the contract, they what is they they that somebody somebody done gone fucked up and hasn't cleared it. Mm. It, it it's that. Even Fake's pissed off about it, isn't he? No. Um, uh, yeah. Like apparently, yeah, like. Fake. Yeah. They, they, they absolutely they should have they should have crossed all those, but it's Disney. They just don't think they need to because they don't think someone's gonna fucking call them out mm. and the thing is they'll settle out of court for it for a decent chunk of money and that's it it's it's, uh, it, it, it's just a bit of a i mean there's, there's a fair plainness to scarlett johansson but but i see what disney have tried to do they've tried to go look at this fucking greedy actress right there 20 million quid look at all these people that lost their jobs but say, yeah you fucking fired them people walk around with the stigma of the of, of being the lead in the lowest grossing Marvel movie oh, ever. No, that, no that, that's bullshit because it's it was never A, um, it, it was never going to us a billion dollars anywhere and B, people it, there's a, there's, there is a caveat to that without question. There is, but had they only released it in the cinema it would have made, it, it would have made more money. It absolutely fucking would. It, 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 it would have but I would say it's interesting looking at how much more money Fast 9 has made than Black Widow. Like, Fast 9 is well over $700 million worldwide now. I think Black Widow is still under 400 And, like, it's... Premier Access and pirating, I think, can be to blame for a lot of that. But... it, it And also, I wouldn't necessarily say it's because it's a female-led Marvel film. It was just a film that was just not in the oven for too long just like put on the side for too long and it like as as to be fair mark had been saying before it came out it was it, you know it was a film that just felt like it was several years too old before it even came out it came mm. out people were yeah it's all right about it like the reviews were it's all right you know, nobody was going out there saying this is one of the best Marvel films, blah, blah, blah. And it's, yeah, I, I, I it, yes, it, in a normal times, God, yes, it would have made more money. Of course, it would have made more money. But you look at the difference between Fast 7 and Black Widow in the same, basically the same marketplace other than Premier Access. And Fast 7 has made so much more money. You know, I think I think the the issue with with the, with Black Widow as a character is she falls within that weirdness where it's she's too important and too popular and Scarlett Johansson is too big a star without question for it to fall into the um, 
it should be a um it could have been a tv show mm. um but having a be in and around so many of the individual films like she's she's very much a principal character in is it winter soldier mm-hmm. she's quite heavily in that she's quite heavily in civil war i know a lot of them are heavily in civil war which is another one of captain many ones but she's very much attached to captain many ones same as she's in you know the um iron man movies um so her exposure was already greater across those that it always felt like she didn't they, she she wasn't going to be a what is it because she was she was the glue that connected everything together and then eventually they went ah oh, fuck it we'll give her a movie though because we've got a good idea and it's like right you know she's dead mate yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the the one thing I do feel sorry for Scarlett Johansson for is that obviously this was supposed to be the one that was supposed to be her massive 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 payday and you look at the amount of money that Robert Downey Jr. made, and that is honestly $20 million is fucking peanuts next to what uh, Downey Jr. has made. And do I think Scarlett, jo- like Scarlett Johansson's impact on the MCU is as big as Robert Downey Jr.'s? No, but I could see why she'd be a bit fucked off going, I've essentially been on a promise for a number of years here, and now I'm kind of getting fucked over. And, you know... Mm. It, it, the amount of money it may as well be monopoly money to us you know like there's no way of me conceptualizing it but the principle of it, it you know you, you have to support her with that i mean it, you know if in her contract it didn't have anything actually no apparently they said in her contract this will get a, 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 an exclusive theatrical release it will so they have to pay her out of that aspect or release it in, a, in, in, in as an exclusive theatrical release. And yes, she's burning bridges here, but A, Disney are the big game in town. They're not the only game in town. And B... I've already killed her off. Yeah, exactly. There is a lot of other bits. Mm. Exactly. And, you know, and, and B, in the end of the day, the big paydays for big stars are going to be pretty much over now. Like, this whole points participation thing that that they get that shit is going to be fucking stopping soon unless films start just getting big theatrical windows again you know because there's nothing in it for them they'll they'll just be like no just pay me that shit up front you know or stars won't be used to those kinds of salaries and they'll just be paid less which is probably what will actually happen I mean, yeah, these these points, these deals have gone um, have gone on for 40, 50 years now, mm. um, and they'll they'll take a bit of a dip for the time being because stars will be looking at going, well, mm, I don't know about this. But then stars suing studios because of them again is nothing new. I'm fairly fucking certain that um, that Jack Nicholson. To threaten to sue um, one about um, Batman, the '89 version, mm. because they didn't pay in full. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's not. It's not a nice situation for anyone. Just that that reality, Disney 
if if they if they thought that uh, uh, we are comfortable that we would win this, they wouldn't put out a statement uh, just denigrating her character. Kinder, it is, you know, saying you don't care if people get, <laughs> which is, you know, that's to make but that is the sign of a company who and have probably looked at it and gone it's probably going to be an out of court thing but we need to react now i hope she i hope she takes them to the fucking cleaners every one of those it'll be out of court for an undisclosed amount mm-hmm. and they'll basically go oh, here's another 10 million fuck off it's just do the wonder woman 84 thing you know, they paid out the um, the bonuses to Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot, assuming that like basically on the bonuses they would have got if that film had made over a billion at the US box. Which, incidentally, they made out like fucking bandits because I don't think that film would have done a billion in a normal marketplace once the fucking word on it get, got out. No, I literally, it, it's one of them, 1984, again, it, it is another movie that, that, that time has forgotten. That movie is what eight nine months old yeah um and nobody nobody gives a shit no it already feels like it was released in 1984 (laughs) yeah yeah um uh moving on a little bit of um film festival news um the uh, London Film Festival announced their opening night film today. It is going to be the uh, the harder they fall, the um, all star uh, western, which uh, is a Netflix film, but it will be premiering at L- world premiering. It should be said at LFF the uh, in early October. Comes out on Netflix in early November, um, but there will be um, simulcast cinema screenings in the UK for it as well. So. You want to see the harder they fall on a big screen a month before it actually comes out on Netflix, you'll have your chance. Um, so that's exciting. Yeah, hopefully that's a little bit more of things to come for Netflix movies. For, for the, the, you know, the big hitters that Netflix are doing. Yeah. It's, it's weird, like award season films are on their way. You know, Annette comes out in the cinemas early September. And then we're kind of off and away you know it's um that's exciting um and also um just to say uh the uh toronto international film festival midnight madness lineup came out today and it includes uh past guest of the show's rob's uh, rob savage's new blumhouse film uh dash cam which uh 77 minute long uh film which appears to be all uh dash cam recording sounds fucking ace go on then <laughs> yep go on then go on then it's just innovative filmmaking again yeah yeah um i that, just yeah go on then apparently it's about some sort of like social media influencer who's a dickhead and enters a waking nightmare and um, yeah so yeah i would like to see that please yeah. um yeah, I just I like it's because uh, I, I I think I mentioned last week that he'd um, tweeted something on a, a on a, uh, a sound mixing stage. So uh, yeah, just really really up for that. So it's um, Tiff, 
in the US. We don't know anything about a UK release or whether it's VOD or theatrical yet. Um, but let's let's see let's see how it goes. But the fact that it's actually got a Midnight Madness slot at TIFF is very 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 promising as to the quality of it. So yeah, great stuff. Um, should we move on to trailers? Uh, very quickly, um, there was also the news yesterday that oh, came cool. out that uh, Brendan Fraser has been cast oh, in shit. Killers of the Flower Moon. Yay! Yep, um, and he's also going to be one of the leads in the guy who did um, Palm Springs, uh, his new comedy. Oh, is that Brothers? Finally happening. Uh, I think so, yeah. His new comedy, he's going to be one of the leads in that. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, he's... Um, I was saying to, to, to yourself, um, and Ian... Uh, that uh, I hope that I really, really hope that he's got a scene in it with De Niro because I remember seeing it with him years ago where he was talking about it, saying that he's like his dream um, is to is to is to be in a movie yeah. and in a scene with Robert De Niro. Uh, um, and I think it was while he was doing the some of the promo work for one of the Looney Tunes movies he did, and he's a bit like, and he kind of turned around and looked back at like the the set that was behind him and went don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I do get the feeling with the Brendan Fraser thing with everybody going, yep, 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 yep. Uh, that it's kind of like a little bit like Hollywood has kind of gone, we did this guy dirty, let's fucking... I really hope it's the start of like a thing and not... Like, I have a feeling it might be. I really, really it feels hope. like it is. It, it does, it feels like it is. Um... And apparently, literally, this casting was because um, of Scorsese um, seeing him in No Sort of Move. Yeah. And being like, God, he's perfect for what we need him for. Mm. I, I really do. I really do hope it's a whole thing. I, I, think, I think the fact that everybody seems to be going, this is awesome, about every single one that he gets cast yeah. in. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, that was it. The, yeah, trailers. Banging. Yeah, no, that's uh, no, that's great news. That sorry, I did, I, I had forgotten that. I know you wanted to talk about it. It's um, yeah, I, that's just such a cool comeback story. Um, really, really looking forward to seeing what he does with the whale. I mean, I think it's probably gonna be one of the most upsetting films you'll ever see, but I'm looking forward to watching it once and never again. Um, yep, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I would say I'm, I'm. I'm looking forward to having watched it and then mm-hmm. never watching it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like that film's going to be fucking brutal. Yeah. Um, just in a, in a human way. Yeah. Uh, so trailers. Uh, my first question, have you guys seen the trailer for Kate? Yes. Is there going to be a reason why Mary Elizabeth Winstead is giving all her line readings in just the exact same tone? Uh, no, that is just now Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Now, that's a shame. It, 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 it is. She is. She has gone from being spunky Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh, when she first came out to just being quite just. Seeming like she's really tired all the time. Yes. 
it's yeah it, it's odd it's it's like she she seems to be doing like film things because very much as a job rather yeah. than as like a calling or because it's it's an art form it is a nine to fucking five for her it does seem like that doesn't it <laughs> she seems to to hate it and honestly like even if we take that element out of the trailer do we care do we need another movie like this really no i feel like we've had so many <laughs> Just fuck off. Yeah, I mean, it's... I like the car with the neon light under it. You know, there's an ever so slightly cyberpunky kind of aesthetic to it, which I dig. And I like Woody Harrelson. I, I like Woody Harrelson. I think Woody Harrelson is going to be in it for the sum total of less than seven minutes. Sure. Um, the, the thing about it is... I, like you just said there, Max, the problem is it, it seems to be like there's there's a list of, of, of actresses that they pull out and go, right, we need to make another one of these movies. Uh, right, so which actress hasn't done one yet? No, it's not. It's, it's more like there's all these different filmmakers going, John Wick, but with a girl, and all thinking that it's really original, and it's just fucking not at this point. We've had like 10 a year since John Wick came out. I've just been literally there was one last week and then this this yeah, comes out in a couple of weeks. Just honestly, mm. fuck off. And there was that one with Jack Shelter like a couple of months ago. Just make another John Wick movie. And they are. Well, that's fine. Just leave it at that. I don't I, need I, John Wick, but with a girl. I really like the fact that Hal Berry hasn't done one. She just went in. It was in John Wick's instead. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the fucking classy move, isn't it? Instead of trying to replicate the the success, the light in a bottle that is John Wick, just be in. The John Wick series. That is the classy move. Don't try and copy somebody else's but fucking I, success. I think what they are is they're they're like sixty percent John Wick, forty percent Taken, and it, mm. it, it was like they ran out of actors trying to have their Taken movie because they all did it mm. in, in like in the years just after Taken Two and before Taken Three and a little bit after it. There's a lot of them tried it. So there was a there was did a. They all have a unique set of skills though. Yeah, there was there was there was a, there was a Hugh McGregor one. There was a Sean yeah. Penn one. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of like, like low range actors tried doing it as well, um, and, and none of them kind of worked. Mm. Um, but it is, I don't know. I it it's odd. The car thing. I want to know what the car thing is. Why it seems to be almost. It, it, it seems to be like it it's sped up in comparison to everything else. Which is quite anime about it. It's quite manga about it, and that element interests me. But the storyline doesn't. No. And the winsteadiness of it also doesn't. I, I I don't mind Mary's Winstead. I just wish she looked like she was arsed. Yeah, but then again, she's supposed to be dying in it. Yeah. But then again, again, it does look like they've thrown every single trope that they can at it. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's interesting that apparently in the US it's getting a, um, a theatrical release as well as straight on Netflix, which gives it a bit more of a, hmm, why are they bothering with that one in particular kind of aspect to it, which is gives me some sort of weird faith. But um, yeah, it comes out in September. We'll probably review it. 
and we'll see how it goes. Um, moving on from there. Uh, there's one big one that I can think of. What am I missing? There's two what? big ones. Oh, fuck, are there? Yeah. Oh, shit! Oh, God! Yeah. Yeah. All right. Have we got any more before we get into them? Um, there's the the new um. Well, there's a couple of things. There's a new free guy um trailer um that also has the a, a little featurette thing within it. Catchphrase that, that we saw in the cinema yeah. before uh, Suicide Squad. Oh, that was in the cinema, was it? Wow. Yeah, we got in the cinema. Yeah, with the um. With the, the, the bonus character um, dude. <laughs> um, I am, the more I'm hearing about Free Guy, because some early reviews are coming in, and they're all very, very, very positive in yeah. that this film is just a lot of fucking fun. Mm. And it's kind of exactly what people are going to need at the moment. It's. <laughs> I saw one of you saying, this is. This is this movie is as much fun as Jungle Cruise wishes it was. Oh wow! <laughs> which is which is which is which is not to get into what I'm going to say about Jungle Cruise later on because I, I I might not necessarily agree with that, but it's just I can I can agree with the sentiment. I think this is one of those that is suffering from word about it has been around for so long now. Oh yeah. That once it actually gets here, it, it's obviously doing shit like this to make people care anew. Oh, yeah. about it um and it kind of it, it's kind of worked mm. i i was i mean i was all in for this movie anyway because i think it's a really interesting concept like a non-player character just suddenly becoming sentient i think that's a really great concept but it has been around for a long time now it's the it's the black widow james bomb free guy kind of trifecta isn't it yeah but i, I like the fact that, that, that literally that they have very much gone nope this is this is getting no premier access this is just going right out there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah this yeah i mean this is the thing it's like they've obviously got some faith in it you know i i, I think a, a big part of that is because i think that they it, it's a little bit like they can go it's it, it's because it's fox isn't it yeah it's their and it's the last it's the last big Fox one they've got left, mm. Disney. So that if it bombs, they can go well. They want any idea anywhere this. It was those dickheads. Um, and so it, it it's not really their money. <laughs> yeah. You know they've they've literally kind of already paid for this and already it's already been signed off. Whatever they're making from this is just right. Well, this is just profit. Yeah. Well. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, like the the initial reaction does have me pretty excited, and um, I I like that Taika Waititi is leaning into the I can be a bit of a dickhead with with his character in 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 the material that I've seen for it. Mm. Um, fucking, I just remembered that my birthday double bill is going to be this and Don't Breathe too. <laughs> You mean Don't Breathe 2, the weird-looking art house movie? <laughs> Fucking. Oh, God, I hope I can do Don't Breathe 2, then Free Guy. Yeah, because I, I, I have a feeling that it might be a bit of a come-down doing it the way around. 
Oh man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the other way around, if Don't Breathe 2 is not great, you can go, whew, right, let's go and have fun for uh, two hours. Yeah. Whereas if Don't Breathe 2 is surprisingly good and is just as art housey and as a bit and mental as it looks, then you might go at a free guy going, do you know what? That was a lot of fucking fun. Come on, then. <laughs> Come on, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, quite. Um, there's a red band for Don't Breathe 2, by the way. It yes. just looks fucking like... So what? what is... I just, what is it? I didn't... <laughs> but no, but that is it. It's like it was made by somebody who hasn't seen the first. Um, yeah, I, I just... I'm, I mean, I'm up for it. Don't get me wrong. But it's just like, how are they going to fucking square that circle? I, I, I love the fact that... He's not a hero. He's not a villain. He's an anti-hero villain. An, but, anti, an anti-villain hero, I think it is said. I just... And it's like, what the fuck? None of that makes sense. But I want to see it. There, it just... In the third act of Don't Breathe One, he tries to impregnate Jane, Jane Levy with a baster. <laughs> like, you just... How? And the how? Thing is, you me, I, I, I was very much like, it's all right, it's all right. And then the minute it got to that bit, I was like, oh, this just got a shitload more interesting. <laughs> this it, is nasty. I just, I don't get how, unless you're just being nihilistic and completely fuck the world about it all, I don't know how you reposition him as any any kind of sympathetic. Oh, I, I really hope they don't. <laughs> I hope it's just arseholes fighting an arsehole. Oh, the yeah. soul of an arsehole. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, right, yeah. So um, I'm, I'm going to end off with the one I really want to end off with. So we've got the second trailer for Venom Let There Be Carnage, which uh, it's interesting. I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter saying this looks like shit just in terms of like the cinematography and whatnot, which is uh, quite interesting. I mean, it looks murky, um, but it's shot by Robert Richardson. Yep. Which means, which means it's going to look fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I don't know whether circus is just going for a mood here or something, which he probably is, you know, Um, but yeah, I want the bizarre, two things in the same body like body comedy mixed with horror elements that this is advertising yes please yeah it the thing is the first trailer was very much going for like the the body comedy thing this one is going for a little bit more showing you a little bit more of the action element of it um and it's a bit like i've seen that a lot of things it just looks like a lot of cg being thrown at itself and it's like well yeah yeah, it does. That's kind of what it is. But I'm, I'm just, I'm really intrigued by this movie. Yep. You know, and we're what, five weeks away from it. Yeah. Yeah, it comes out September, doesn't it? Yeah. Um. And I, I, I mean, here, I didn't know Tom Hardy wrote wrote the story as well. Yeah, he gets a story by credit. Yeah, apparently, like it was his idea. 
Yeah. Go on then. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Go, yeah, exactly. It, it, there's, a, there's a big fuck it. Why? Do you know what? Why not? It's directed by Andy Serkis, shot by Robert Richards, <laughs> written by Tom Hardy. And yeah, fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> You know what we should also uh, where we should also go where the house of Gucci. Oh God, yes. <laughs> I think we all need to take a trip to the house of Gucci in November. Um, I mean, this just looks like the most exquisite trash. It it. It, I, I think I said this to, to you, Ian. It, it looks like the sort of movie that Tony would be making now mm. and not as much Ridley. Mm. And that's kind of the reason why Ridley's made it. <laughs> yeah. You know, literally Ridley Scott in a, what, a five-week period will have two big movies out. Uh, the last Jewel. Jewel. It's. I just love everything about this trailer. It looks overblown. It looks trashy. It looks like it's going to be really, really good looking. It's going to have some fucking amazing costumes in it. It's got Jared Leto doing whatever the fuck Jared Leto is doing <laughs> in this. Um, it's got Lady Gaga saying the father, the son, and the house of Gucci. <laughs> Iconic as fuck. I'm. I yeah. it's there is no way this film is boring oh god no it's just is it gonna come together and really work or is it gonna be an absolute like rubbernecking car crash part of me that really hopes it's like lifetime movie levels but part of me that really hopes it's super polished as well. Like, no in-between. It's like, I almost want it to be revealed that Paul Verhoeven was advising Ridley Scott. And we've got just this almost showgirls level of, <laughs> let's just wallow to it. You know, I, I am so, so up for House of Gucci. I'm so up for it. Sure, it looks fun. The story behind it is is actually really interesting. It's it's got a great cast. It's got a great trailer. Like I, 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 signs I, are good. I, I love the fact that 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 basically the the studio as well when when asked you know oh what do, what 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 do the Gucci family think about it and they've gone we don't care. Yeah. We don't care, and Gucci are actively. Family are actively trying to kind of shit all over it with everyone going, oh, no, 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 no. You don't get to be Gucci and then complain about something else. That isn't how this works, dickheads. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. I, 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 it's as, as, as the, the bastard of trash, uh, I, I will say, yes, please. <laughs> get in my eyeballs, please. Without question, yeah. I, I, it's going to be. I think it's going to be one of those ones where a lot of people are going to fucking hate it, and then I'm going to come out and go, 
that might be the best film of the year. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Like we've we've got like gradually more and more lowbrow, I think, as the pandemic's gone on. And I just wonder whether when when real life isn't quite so devastatingly tragic in, in all its forms, whether we'll go back to liking like art house movies and like really serious stuff again or whether this is just it now. I think it's kind of just it for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy swimming around in the filth. It's lovely down here. <laughs> We've got a gutter movie palette and we can't say. Yeah. Oh man. Um yeah, yeah, I, it, it just, I don't know, I mean, it, it's interesting as well with, like, Ridley Scott and just the fact that you've got a pre-pandemic film and an in-pandemic film within, like, the same five-week period, as Mark said earlier on, and it, but it does kind of feel like this weird slight changing of the tide where we are now starting to flush through the films that have been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and what have we got coming for us after house of gucci (laughs) that's where we're at and it's just yes i want to have fun i want to watch this on a big screen i mean like paul bart and i after suicide squad on friday said we're gonna go see house of gucci together in the cinema with like bringing in drinks that's happening um and it, it, it just it does kind of feel like that, you know, get people in the cinema watching this and just eating it up with a fucking trowel. That that is all I want from House of Gucci. You know, I'm you know I'm looking forward to West Side Story. That looks classy. It looks elegant. You know, Ansel Elgort uh, with with standing. You know, but. What do I really, really, really want to go to the cinema for at the moment? Things blowing up and House of Gucci. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Violence and trash. And, as Mark and I are going to do on Saturday, a film based on a Twitter thread. (laughs) I'm I'm actually quite looking forward to it. So am I. (laughs) I I know nothing about it. I've seen the trailer once. I'm reading nothing more. Um, so. I go see that Friday night. Oh, it's not on, on Friday night. It's on Thursday. Well, so you've got the unlimited screening that it's not showing. Mm. Oh, Set of worlds weird. Slight tangent. They've done that a couple times recently. Yeah. Like just yeah, we'll show it this once for unlimited members, but not actually give it a release. Like what the fuck's that about? Mm. And like all these secret screenings they're doing. Yeah, there's one coming up next week, isn't there? We're off to that. I'm trying to think of what that might be. I kind of, I kind of, kind of wonder whether it might be Free Guy. Ah, uh, it could be. Like a day before it releases. Yeah, definitely. It's really recently. A day before the release. It's a, it's a few days before, isn't it? Yeah. Wednesday's the screening, isn't it? I think. So it's a couple of days before. It's just like. Yeah. 
they, they, Disney have done unlimited screenings before, and it feels like one where if they're trying to build up, like they know that it's reviewing well and they want to build up some word of mouth for it. And also the fact that that secret screening is available to non-unlimited people as well make me think that it, it probably is going to be something relatively big. Yeah, it's, it's an odd one that, it, 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 that it's not an unlimited screening. It's just a secret screening that anyone can apply for. Mm, mm. Yeah. What if we get in there, though, and it's something, like, like really big, like, and we're just, like, I'm not emotionally prepared for this movie right now. <laughs> what else leave. it could be? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, all right. <laughs> oh, God, can you fucking imagine? Jesus Christ. All right, bomb doesn't exist, Ian. Fuck off. Um, what if it's sort of like right, right, random, like really just like fucking really random, like it's the fucking latest Bollywood incarnation of Fast and Furious 7? It, it's nice. It's It's got to be some, It just the fact that it's not unlimited... It, it, it's not just unlimited members makes me think that it's going to be something big and mainstream. It, it's got to be something big enough so that loads of people aren't going to, when it starts, go fuck this and walk straight out. Yeah, yeah. But like, what's out the week after? There's a lot out the week after, if I remember correctly. Like, it's weirdly stacked. But it's also, I'm, I'm fairly certain that the screening is a 12A. So okay, so it's a twelve A or lower in that case. If if they're set, if they're literally saying it's a twelve, yeah, it's not like unlimited where you've got to be a certain age to actually have the the pass. It's like if they're selling it to everybody. So free guy, free guy remains in the running. It's got no rating on it. It says TBC. My only thing there is if anyone can buy it, you're not gonna have a twelve you're not gonna have a twelve year old being able to get a ticket for a secret screening and it turns out it's a fifteen. Yeah. But it's not me snake eyes because that's got a secret that's got a unlimited already like, got one. three days yep. later. Um Yeah, yeah, free guy, I think you could be right on that one. Now uh It's not going to be people don't do it in Japan. It's, just, it's not. Um, I, I, it's I not, hope it's not. I hope it's not wholesale Transylvania. I mean, uh, no, Pig's going to be a 15, surely. I mean, you've got Reminiscence. Yeah, because the week after is Pig, Reminiscence, and the Night House. I, I thought it was. Um, literally, the only stream release that is less than a fifth in august is free guy yeah it's going free guy isn't it this is going on friday yeah i'm up for it we're there tuesday and wednesday next week aren't we already are we we'll have to see the nest on tuesday oh of course we are yeah of course we are a bleak condemnation of marriage it would appear <laughs> nice i'm down Good, though i think that's the martha marcy may my Birkin, it is. It is, yeah. That'd be good. Um, okay, so inside baseball. I think I might go to that and limit if it's free guy, just go what don't breathe too is my birthday film. Fucking hell. 
Um, yeah. Anyway, is directed by Juame Colette Serra and stars um, Captain Merchandise, um, Emily Blunt, um, CG Edgar Rim. Um and uh Hey Giamatti <laughs> Yep <laughs> Um Oh and Jesse Plemons is in it as well doing a German accent. Hello, I am Jesse Plemons. No, no, no. You went full of Welsh then. <laughs> Hello. Hello, is it? I'm Jesse Plemons. Um, so, John, based on the iconic thing that Dwayne Johnson has been wanting to make a film uh, based on since he went to see Pirates of the Caribbean in the cinema. Um, lifelong dream. Lifelong dream. Absolutely. He is 18 years old. Um, and he saw it. He saw it in the womb. Fuck, his pirates, 18 years old. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, death is coming for us all. Let's just uh, off. <laughs> um So Jungle Cruise is about Emily Blunt and Jack Whitehall's characters, whose name names escape me, who want to find a tree, a fabled tree that may hold key to everlasting life. I think. Yeah. They go to the jungle and they engage the services of Frank, played by Dwayne Johnson, a jungle cruise operator who has a secret and he kind of falls for Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt kind of falls for him. There's a bunch of CG stuff in the second half. Becky, you may tell from my unenthused reading of the plot summary there that Jungle Cruise for me is the most three out of five film ever made. What are your thoughts as to that statement? Um, it's, it's disappointing because it, 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 it could have been good. Pirates of the Caribbean is evidence that you can make a successful movie. Whatever you think of the rest of the franchise, Pirates is great. Um, you can you can do that. You can make a good film based off of a ride. This just isn't it. It's so it's so fucking contrived. It's it's so very much wanting to be. Um, what did you say? They kept comparing it to Romance in the Stone. Yeah. Um. For me, it was giving off real kind of like Indiana Jones vibes. But then watching it, it's just trying to be the mummy. It's trying to replicate that um, that central relationship between Evie, Rick and Jonathan. Down to the fact that you've got the strong guy, the spunky girl and the weedy brother. Like it's it's just they're just the same characters but shitter um emily blunt as you pointed out isn't half as charming as they think she is um dwayne johnson actually i didn't hate in this like he's a lot 
less fucking try hard in this than he is in a lot of his more recent movies. He's a lot less desperate feeling. Um, so that that was that was a bit more manageable, and Jack Whitehall was fine. But you know, if if you're trying to do that mummy dynamic, you're not going to beat it. So the whole film falls down around it. Um, going again to my main complaint, one of my main complaints about Cruella, just fucking train animals and have them in movies. Why is everything fucking CGI? This film is a CGI vomit nightmare. Um, yeah, just not good. Emily Blunt is weak, weak in this. And oh my God. Oh my God, I've got this really good joke, right, 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 right. So women at the time, right, right, get this. They didn't wear pants. They wore like skirts and stuff. So what we're going to do, right, uh, is going to have everyone really shocked about the fact that she's wearing trousers or pants, as Americans call them. What? And then they're just all going to respond. I know, right? It's going to be crazy. And they're all going to just like be really shocked about it and reference it all the time. And then Dwayne Johnson's character is just going to call her pants the whole way through the movie. Everyone is going to be in hysterics, like rolling in the aisles. Not anywhere near as funny as they thought it was. It, 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 it was passably funny the first time. And then gradually, the more you, 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 it went on, I found myself wanting to shout at the screen, write a different joke. Yeah. Yeah, that re- it really, really bugged me. Really bugged me all the way through the film. From after the first joke, which I think was when Jack Whitehall references it when they got off the boat and goes, yeah. "Told you, shouldn't have worn pants. Shouldn't have worn trousers." Yeah. <laughs> okay, possibly funny. The rest of it, no. Fuck off, Jungle Cruise. Mark, fuck off, Jungle Cruise is a provocative statement. Your comments. Um. The thing is, it's when it first got like announced when it was coming out, it was like two hours thirty-seven minutes. I think that was just IMDb acting on duff information. Um, but then when it came out, it was two hours seven minutes. But it does feel like there's thirty minutes missing. Because literally at one point, I think you referenced this when we watched the movie, Becky. It's like they went, right, this movie is called Jungle Cruise. The movie is literally called Jungle Cruise. (laughs) And then what they do is they go, right, we don't actually want to take you on the Jungle Cruise. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a map. We're going to lift you up and we're going to basically go. And there you go. You have Jungle Cruised. And it it, it was a bit like that. I really enjoyed The Rock in the first two thirds of this movie. Um, Him constantly telling bad jokes had me laughing an awful lot. And then when they get when they get captured and he tells another bad joke and Emily Blunt's character says, really, is this a time? It's like, you just can't turn it off. It felt felt a little I felt that bit spoke to me. A little bit. Did you feel seen? I felt seen um, with that. So I really quite liked his character. Um, and I, was, I was having an awful lot of fun with it. And then he stopped being fun for the last um, 
the third act. So you're saying is once he revealed his pain and his, you know, his, his anguish, yeah, that, that don't give a shit about, about that. Why couldn't he just been a fun Jungle oh, Cruise captain? Fun guy. Yeah. Um, again, yes, I agree. Emily Blunt was the opposite. She was she she'd never built up enough charm. She never enough cash in the bank to be as much of a dickhead as she to, was. To be that, she was yeah. just she was quite unpleasant. She stole the thing at the first bit. Um, she then is trying to break in apology about his thing because he doesn't want to talk to her at the time. He doesn't. She doesn't know that that's not him. Hmm. So she's trying to do business with him by trying to just burst into his office. Um, and she just comes across as a bit of an arsehole. Uh, but then as that the opposite happens when when the rock stops being charming, she starts to become a little bit more charming. Um, Jack Whitehall's really good in this. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. You know, he's he's not like he's not like shit, I am surprised when we watched oh god, what was the movie? Um that James Corden was in with Meryl oh, Streep. Oh, the prom. The prom, yeah. Uh, where James Corden's actually really quite good in that. Um, but yeah, Jack Whitehall in this is fun. He plays with the character really well. Is he not usually? I feel like you've got an awful lot of hate for Jack Whitehall that I don't share. No, I don't like him. Why, though? Um, or do you not like him from... Being Jack Whitehall. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so just him, his general self. Yes. Okay. Not in anything in particular just just no his just his general reader but when he's not being jack white on he's being an actor he's actually he seems like quite a decent actor and he isn't he wasn't too much he wasn't constantly trying to pull focus and push people out the way of the scene and try and do mm. too much he was very much he i think the fact that he wasn't there as constantly having to be the dance monkey dance funny boy and uh there. he's sat talking to dwayne johnson as well and he reveals obviously why he's so close with his sister and why he'll do anything for her. And that, yeah. that that vulnerable scene actually is quite, he's quite sweet in that. And it's yeah. like, ah. It, it, it worked, it worked really Players. quite, yeah, it worked really quite well. But then, you know, he he gets to have the bit where it, he gets to fight the guys and is perfectly competent at it. He's good at punching, he's got good form. Yeah, and you get all of, you get all of that. But the, the, my key problem with it is, um, that you've got one too many villains. You've got two villains that neither get enough screen time, and so you end up with them both kind of crossing over, but neither of them becoming like vaguely threatening or anything like yeah, that. Viable threat, yeah. And neither of them get built up enough. Like Plemons just is at the start. You think right, well he's going to be a villain, but then he disappears for a good half of the movie. And isn't there, and then just keeps on cropping up in a a submarine. And I like Jesse Plemons, and he is awful in this. Because I just don't think he's got enough time to actually do anything fun. Just, his character um, is so shit. Yeah, and then Edgar Ramirez isn't in it like at all, really. He's a snakey man. Yeah. So mm. it, it just it's it's a movie that. You think this should be better, but then you think, but why should it? Be I, 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 for me anyway, I think it should be better because the pre them actually starting the cruise, it's fun. You know, it's riffing off of loads of different other films, but 
I, I, I think the initial Dwayne Johnson, Emily Blunt stuff's quite sparky. I think Paul Giamatti is giving it a good amount of cheese. It, it It's just bright and breezy and it kind of feels like the two hour, 10 minute running time, whatever is going to be a breeze. And then I, I, I got less engaged as it went on. And then that third act, well, I mean, to be honest, everything from the reveal that actually Frank is one of the conquistadors, it just falls off a fucking cliff for me. Mm. Um, it gets really, really wrapped up in the in the story where, you know, you've got two bad guys who are aligned and then not aligned. And then one of them just disappears for like a half hour and then and then comes back but you just don't really care why i mean the whole aspect of frank being edgar ramirez's like ex-best friend is just not played at all um and it just turns into like sub pirates of the caribbean stuff like like becky was saying and it's really like just really weirdly unremarkable um and it's fine I don't think it's shit, but I, I, I just, I don't know. Be, yeah, like you said, Mark, be better. Yeah, it, it's, and again, it just, it feels like The Rock is like, people need to love me. You know, whether I'm being a badass or whether I'm being a lovable hero, they fucking need to love me. And it, it's, I want him to do pain and gain again. You know, I, I, I want him to be something which isn't this fucking focus group tested, just whatever yeah. that he is in every single one of these fucking films. Yeah, it has become a little bit like, you'd be surprised if... if in the next four or five years, he makes a film that isn't that is above a twelve there. He's like a corporate robot. It yeah. is. There's no. Yeah. I, 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 I think, like you said, there, Ian, that's that's quite spot on. That, that it's so focus grouped mm. that it, it it becomes sanitized to the point of absolute obsolescence. Yeah. Mm. There's no. There's not enough fun behind it because you you know what you're gonna get. I mean, the only surprise I had in this was that when he picked the guitar, he didn't sing. <laughs> yeah. It was about the only surprising thing out of it. I just, I, I really feel for all the animal trainers out there in Hollywood. I don't think they're animal trainers anymore. They've been replaced by um, <laughs> visual guys. effects guys. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, the, 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 but the problem is with uh, at points like this, it's because it's fantastical. I think they get away with it. No no, 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 but I think because they think they get away with it yeah. because it's fantastical. Mm. And that's the idea. But you're watching it, and at no point do you get the idea that, 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 that any of this is real. Mm. You know it's not a real boat. You know it's not a real river. Mm. Oh, you yeah. know it's not a real lily pad. You know it's not a real fucking frog. You know it's not a real jaguar. Mm. Um, you know it's not a real any of these things. It, you know, it's... It's a real green screen in Georgia. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's that. And, and, it's, and you are watching it going, going right, I, I'm getting the... 
Martin Scorsese said about a, a, what a year ago said that um, that these comic movies and these big big budget blockbuster movies are not in a critical way, but said they are theme park rides. Mm. Mm. And then literally, <laughs> yeah. Jungle Cruise comes along, which is a theme park ride, yeah. and the movie is a theme park ride. Mm. And, and and that's the thing. It's things occasionally popping up, very quick quips that you can catch on the fly as you are floating by it, mm. with no substance and no attempt to do anything. What is it? And everything, including the water and the seat and everything you are sat on, isn't real. Yeah. And yeah. that is the problem. And the problem with that is when everything feels unreal, and when when you've got seven people writing a movie that has really like four jokes and two villains that have no depth to them and characters that have no real depth to them yeah it's just what were you all too busy tapping each other back going this is going to be great isn't it this is going to be great isn't it before you actually made something great Mm. you know there will in all likelihood be a sequel for this because it doesn't matter how it does at the box office or anything like that because they can just blame what is it and they can go well next time we're gonna have the rock and he's gonna be out there and people are gonna fall in love with this character and it'll be it, it will it'll be all that and so you in all likelihood will end up with a sequel for it and the thing is he's wrong out the sequel might end up being better because they might go do you know what we need to maybe just tweak this a little bit it, it's not bad it's enjoyable enough but it's just Jumanji exists, and the both Jumanji movies, the Dwayne the Rock Johnson Jumanji movies, were better than this yeah. by a considerable distance. I think you yeah. actually felt like they were actually where they were meant to be. Like maybe not in Jumanji, but in a fucking field. Yeah, at least. You, you, yeah, you, 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 it, it felt like that. Whereas, like you say, this feels like it. Like they, they travelled the length of the Amazon. But it feels like they probably didn't move more than 200 yards throughout the entire filming of this yeah, movie. Yeah. And you have, you you viscerally feel that. Yeah, yeah, you do. You know, there's a reason why the films that it's trying to emulate are more successful. And it's, I, I said to you, like, they're obviously going for, like, a whole mummy kind of situation. And, yeah, there's that whole bit of the CGI with the sandstorm in the mummy. But at least, like, on the other bits, it actually feels like maybe they are actually stood in sand. And maybe they have travelled to some kind of location. Same with the Indiana Jones movies. And same with Romance in the Stone. Well, can we also bring up, can I also bring up one other bit on it? Um, James Newton Howard scores a bit all over the place, isn't it? I didn't notice. I, yeah, I can't say I really noticed oh, oh, it. but At one point I was going, it's very John williams eh? I know it's not John Williams, but it feels very John Williams-y. And then all of a sudden, it's like heavy guitars. And I'm going... Oh, no, no. Maybe I didn't know. Oh, you mean James Newton Howard teaming up with Metallica for a random orchestral version of Nothing Else Matters? Yeah. What? Yeah, I know. I know it's that. What the fuck was that? Yeah, and it's just, it's completely incongruous to the orchestral kind of very fitting score yeah, yeah. that you had um, previous to it. 
And it just, I'm not completely saying it was bad, but it was just, it speaks of this film that it is, it's literally, it, it, it's trying to tick off as many things as it can. Like someone programmed into a computer all the bits they wanted in and then just whatever yeah. spit out. Like literally at the end of it, they went, oh, fuck, what? We forgot to have a little kid that's his mate in it. And they're going, oh, shit, we did. Is there a point where we can just film a little kid running around that's his mate? And then just have him, like, before they go on the cruise and after they get back from the cruise. And then everyone will just think that he was on the cruise all the time. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mm. It, it is most the uh, most passive, aggressively, definitely not shit of all time for me. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely shit because I can't say I'm, it's not shit. I don't think I'm touching cloth because I enjoyed my time enough with it. It's just there will never be a moment where I will think, oh, watch Jungle Cruise again without another seven or eight movies coming into my mind that I will watch instead. Yeah, agree. Yeah, me. Is it? That's fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But... I was, I was, I was ticking between definitely not and touching cloth, but the more I think about it, the more it is just shit. It's a poorly made film. Um, well, our audience poll, mm. definitely not shit 18%, touching cloth 27%, shit 36%, and Geostorm 19%. That's all over the place. Yeah. It's a real shame. It could have been a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. The Mulberry Boys, every Friday night. On the show, you better know they keep it tight. ETL is back and the J-Strom's in the zone. Introduce the co-host, he doesn't do it alone. PCZ is about to hold court. You know he's on the headset, you can hear him snort. Pop culture movies, TV shows and games. Rotten Tomatoes reviews news and Blu-rays. Foggy don't play around, he will bust a drop fast. Welcome to the Entertainment Landfill Podcast. The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. What? The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. Um, hey, Hannah, you know, I think you really can't be a good rewatch of a TV show. Would you agree with that, love? Oh, yes, I would. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think during, you know, global pandemics, storms, all of these things, it's quite nice to just sit down and burn through something that you've seen a million Absolutely times. Absolutely nothing like a binge watch. Star Trek. Babylon 5. Because you could sit there for hours looking at serial killer documentaries. Absolutely. Uh, that Netflix. doesn't make you a weird person uh, at all. It doesn't. Yeah, you could watch documentaries that all seem to be about women killing men. Love you, darling. You could put off watching Daredevil for the 30th time. Harry Potter. But really, you can't be immersing yourself in the warm jumper of a rewatch of a show of or a, a franchise. beloved franchise. A beloved franchise. Lord of the Rings. Twin Peaks. From VHS compilations recorded off television with the ad breaks, cut out of course, to DVD box sets of Sex in the City and, I don't know, Smallville. <laughs> Farscape. Quantum Leap. To giving up finding new content on Netflix and just having a comfort trawl through Star Trek The Next Generation or 
Parks and Recreation. I think that we can all agree. There's a lot to be said for that. You can't beat a good rewatch. So, with that in mind, join Anna and Mike from Chinstroke vs. Panzer as we burn through some of our favourite franchises and share our immediate reactions to each instalment in both spoiler and non-spoiler sections. To do that, do a search for the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever your favourite podcast provider may be, or go directly to anchor.fm forward slash Rewatch Project. We are proud members of the Pod Syndicate family of podcasts. Right. Let's do some what we've been watching, shall we? Uh, guys, Becky, what's on the bathroom, so she'll be down in a second. Okay. She's got lords. Okay, yar. Yar. He doesn't have a low voice, this Captain Jack Sparrow, so I don't really. know why. I'm... No. All right, no. No, I don't know why. So Scott Atkins is going to be in John Wick 4. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, cool. He's just, he's just, <laughs> he, he, he's just put on his Instagram uh, a picture of a um, director's chair saying John Wick 4. Oh, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's pretty fucking cool, that. that yeah. It kind of makes sense. No, it does. Oh, that's great. I like the fact that that, that, that guy is essentially just like... He's very much the Jean-Claude Van Damme of his time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good for him. That's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Honoured and privileged to be invited by director Chad uh, Stelsky into the John Wick franchise, with my humble opinion, happens to be the best action franchise there is. Let's go. <laughs> I bet he's fucking saying that now he's got a role in it. Fuck yeah. Oh, that's 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 good times. It is cause he, he's one of those where he seems like a good dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna look, try and look that up. Oh, sweet, yeah, there it is. It was about time, wasn't it, really? Yeah, you, you kind of you're going, hang on a minute, wasn't he one of the other ones? <laughs> yeah, quite, quite. But yeah, it, 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 he was in... I am right in thinking he was in um, Doctor Strange, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. yeah he, he, he's he's going to look at one of those ones who crops up in so many... He, he's going to end up being in one of like the DCU movies somehow, as something. And he's one of those who's been in a load of different franchises without ever actually properly starring in one. Mm. His Instagram's great. It's the random picture of him with Donnie Yen. Random yeah. picture of him with Jamie fucking Fox. It, it very, he very much seems like the guy who actually runs his own Instagram. Yeah, yeah. It's back in the room, mate, Bex. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We can do what we're watching. Oh, okay. We're going first. Well, you can because you've got bajillions. I've got bajillions. In comparison to me, you do. Okay. Uh, okay. So, I, on my own, watched Ghost, Ghost, 
Ghostbusters 2016 because obviously the new trailer came out and I was like, you know, I've not watched in a long while. Girl Ghostbusters. I watched it. It's very good. Does it still hold up? Do you know what? It really does. I think more more so watching it without all the fucking swirling shite that was around it when it came out. Not literal shite. Um, although it is a Ghostbusters movie, so there is a lot of swirling stuff. So, yes, probably some feces there. Um, Isabel was very disappointed that the, the dance scene bit that's kind of started but never actually happens, never happens apart from a little bit in the credits. You know, when Chris mm. Hemsworth's, like, manipulating everybody to get into, like, a pose to dance, but then the dance never happens. Yeah. But it kind of happens over the credits a little bit. Yeah. Um, Isabel very much enjoyed Chris Hemsworth. So, obviously, she is a human. Um, the second best Chris. Yeah, I think he probably is second best, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, really good. Really, really enjoyed it on rewatch. Um, I then watched The Final Girls, which I really fucking love The Final Girls. I've just seen The Final Girls three times, and that's exactly the amount of times a person should watch The Final Girls. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just very clever and it's fun and it's um it's sweet and it's charming and it's got like some gross bits in it it's it's exactly what a horror comedy should kind of be a little bit it's got heart but it's still funny and it's it's great i really like it um and then (laughs) to an entirely different kind of horror comedy what cooties um which does not have an awful lot of heart and is very gross very very gross yes it's it, it, it's it's very trauma isn't it yeah yeah but again very good funny enough decent leads um yeah it's a recommend but i, I wouldn't maybe watch it while you were eating your dinner or something no i won't watch while you're eating your dinner. Um, <laughs> um and then i watched in 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 anticipation of watching the suicide squad even though it doesn't directly follow on, I watched Suicide Squad. Despite the fact that we've actually watched it not too yeah, long ago. Yeah, yep. I wanted to rewatch it. That's so fine. Stop fucking judging me. <laughs> Do what you will. I, I did. Go on then. Yeah, well, the thing is, it's a weird one, because I watched about... I watched everything except for the last maybe half hour of Suicide Squad before we went to see The Suicide Squad and, and was watching it when you came down and went, right, we're off to the cinema. Yeah, you were. <laughs> Um, and then watched the remainder when we got back, and it's it's very stark the difference in quality, incredibly stark. You reckon? Yeah. Did you like your rewatch of Suicide Squad? I did actually. I don't yeah. mind Suicide Squad. It's not it's not great, and it's it's obviously been hacked, hacked to pieces. To shit. Yeah. Um. I don't think Cara Delevingne's very good in it. I don't think she's a good baddie. But I like the kind of... The the actual Suicide Squad themselves and their dynamic, I like. So it kind of carries it through. I did film the bit where Will Smith was the whole... So what are we, just some kind of Suicide Squad off the TV and send it to you, didn't I? Yes. For some reason you find that really amusing <laughs> and you know that it annoys the shit out of me. I do know that it annoys the shit out of you. Uh, but yeah, it's it's fine. It's just not great and it's not what it should have been. But I, as a foundation stone 
for things that came after and the setting up of the characters. Not that many of them carry through. Yeah. But, right, Harley. It, it it works fine. But it is odd though. Again, like I know we'll talk about this more, but like costuming for Harley Quinn is a is very different in both Birds of Prey and the Suicide Squad. Like her costume in this is just pure fucking it's just incredibly inappropriate. Whereas in the other two, it's very much more practical stuff. It is. Is it? Yeah, she's got like a utility kind of suit type thing. Yes, there is that whole bit in the ball gown, but that is for a reason. There is like story-based reason. Costume though. Yeah, but they send her out in on the mission wearing <laughs> like a, a like gear, and then in. Birds of Prey, it's, it's, just, it's just very highly sexualised in Suicide Squad. Um, so they're not just Birds of Prey, which is just, it's just, it's just great fun. It's Birds of Prey. I, I really, really like it. Mm. Not so much on this watch as I did on my previous watch, but the breakfast sandwich bit still makes me laugh every time. The fact that they used that shot in the fucking trailer and it's like <laughs> used it as some awful, awful thing happened and it was just that she dropped a sandwich. Yeah, it's great. She got it really was, it was fantastic, yeah. Um and the fact that um what's her name? Posy Juarez um gets saved from getting shot because she's wearing like a corset and it ends up being bulletproof because it's got like the bone in it. It's just it's just very good. Very good. Um, and then, did I watch anything else on my own? Oh, I watched Moon because I thought, do you know what? Do you know what today needs? A bit of like depressing shit. Yeah. Basically, an essential crisis of a movie. Yeah. Well. Yeah, it's good though. It is a fantastic movie, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's depressing though. It is incredibly bleak. Yeah, the, the, the cheapness and disposability of life. Yeah. But really good though. Um, really really good central performance in that and you can you can kind of ignore the fact that it's Kevin Spacey because he's just a voice of course yeah it was Mm. wasn't it Uh, is that all your that's all mine on my own your solos Mm -hmm. Uh, so um, I think one of our what we watched together Ian I think you've watched it as well yes but we also watched the sequel to that movie as well (laughs) Oh, I didn't do that. Um, what I will say here, Ian, is you don't need to. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, so basically, we'll, 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 we'll do this, then we'll do the other one we watch, and then we'll go to Ian, but we'll cross over with Doom, Romancing and Stone with Ian. Okay. And they can kind of a sequel before the. We're gonna. Um, and they can have like a your list is kind of like a freebie retro review <laughs> that won't be like a big retro review. Um, no, do you know? No, no, fuck it. No, no. Do you know what? I'll say if people really want my thoughts on it, go over to Vodzilla. Go support Vodzilla. <laughs> I did a review of Romancing the Stone for Vodzilla, which got very, very judiciously edited. <laughs> and my thanks to Ivan for that. Oh, and were you a fan of Romancing the Stone? It was your first watch, wasn't it? Yeah, I really, 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 really liked Romancing the Stone. I thought it was fantastic. But yeah. go read my less Jungle Cruise talk than it was originally review on Vodzilla. Um, so we'll do Romance the Stone now. Okay. 
Um, we watch Romance of Stone quite a lot, don't we, Vex? It's in our regular rotation. It's in our regular rotation. Mm. It, it's kind of our, one of our pick-me-up movies, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a hug of a movie. It's a big hug of a movie, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I've had a lot of affection for this movie since I saw it on, like, one of those, like, kids' club things. At the cinema. At the cinema, yeah. Go. Went on my own. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And this was the kind of random stuff you, you got was like Romance in the Stone. And then like the next day was Jewel of the Nile. Wow. Um, so what a couple of bad days for Mark. It was a fucking, it was a couple of bad days <laughs> summer holidays for Mark while everyone else's uh, nice families were away on holiday yeah. together. And yeah. <laughs> he's like at the cinema at 10 in the morning. Oh. I had a fucking great time watching Romance in the Stone. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it is... It's it's Kathleen Turner being adorable and charming. It's Michael Douglas being dashing, but also a little bit like... Bit of a rogue. A bit of a rogue, but yeah. also almost teetering on Jack Burton-esque of things just kind of working out without it seeming like it should do-esque for him yeah. there. Yeah. And there's a lot of that. And the their chemistry together is really good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Robert Zemeckis is very good at doing this kind of thing mm. uh, as, a, as a director. Um, and and Danny DeVito being the comic relief yeah. really works really, really well. He's a really bad buddy. He's a terrible buddy. But then you've got great bits like the bit where um, his, is it, is it his cousin? Or that he's working with? Yeah. I think so. where they're going, where they're, they're jumping on the boat to go to the the little boat to go to the big boat. Yeah. And it's like, why don't you just wait for me? It's like we're gonna Come send back. the boat back yeah. when soon? How soon? Really soon? And it just doesn't send the boat back. Yeah, <laughs> and I like his obsession with alligators throughout the entire thing. Mm. What it does really well though is it, it, it does. There is peril. There is stuff like there is bits where you're scared for them the, the, the bits with the alligators and stuff like that it, it they are in danger it's not completely toothless no and it's it, it plays very well on the fact that it, it that essentially the idea is that she accidentally gets transported into one of her novels yeah yeah um and that's what works really well um and the reason why it doesn't work as well in jewel of the nile is it's a different director. Mm. Um, it's from the guy who made Cujo and um, <laughs> Navy Seals. Right. Um, Not as much with the whimsy, though. So, yeah, but the problem is, as well, I think uh, Romance in the Stone cost about $12 million. Mm. Uh, and Julianelle has double the budget and, like, half of the charm. It just takes itself a bit too seriously. Well, there's a bit where they're, where they're having a bit of a chase scene, but they're in a fighter jet, but yeah. they're not flying. And it, 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 you watch it going, this has gone on for way too long. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Julian Al, it, it Romance of Stone is every bit as good as his classic status suggests. And Drew of the Nile is proof that throwing more money at something doesn't make it better. The central kind of relationship between them and stuff still kind of carries it along. It's entertaining enough. Bubbles yeah. along happily enough, doesn't it? Yeah. But if, yeah, it, it, what I would say is you don't really need to. If you've, if you've seen and enjoyed Romance in the Stone, 
maybe don't rush out and watch Jewel now because it's just you don't need to. Mm. Just watch Manson the Stone again. Yeah. Or um, the mummy. Or the mummy. Um, always the answer is always the mummy. And we also watched um, Summer of Stall uh, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. Um, Questlove's um, documentary film um, about the um, Harlem, Cultural. Harlem Cultural Festival uh, that was held about five weeks, I believe, um, in 1969 in Harlem. Um, and it's very good, isn't it? It is, actually, yeah. Like, for a... For it's sort of a, a style of music and a, and a festival that I knew nothing about, there is enough exposition stuff in there, an explanation for what's going on and the impact that it had and the impact that preceding events had on the festival to make it accessible, which I think when we've watched other documentaries in the past, like the Beastie Boys one, for example, it's a bit kind of gate-kept if you don't already know enough you're not going to enjoy it whereas this wasn't like that well there's very much I mean, the whole central premise for it i don't want to go too much it's a documentary and it, 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 it's pretty brand new so i don't want to go all spoilers on it is it, the idea is that this the highland culture festival was, was professionally filmed um and then it was the same summer as woodstock but then yeah but then nothing was done with it nothing was done with any of the filming of it it just got essentially Quite literally canned. The footage is amazing, as well. and the footage is like has been properly like, upscaled, yeah. and it's been um, so it's not, and it's it, it's not taken from like people's shooting of it on like uh, Super 8 cameras or anything like that. This is a professionally filmed mm. for television mm. um, that they have redone, remastered everything, and it's a mixture of of talking about the the politics of the time, mm. um, but all of the the vast majority of the talking heads are people who were at the festival. Yeah. You've got a couple um, of celebrity faces, but they don't come till the very end when they're talking about the impact of it. Mm. Um, but the majority of it is just people who were there, but they're showing them the footage and they're going, oh, holy shit. Yeah. You know, and some of the performers are yeah. watching the footage of themselves and going, I haven't seen this before. Crazy, isn't it? It's mad. And they're talking about like some of the performers and why they got, were picked and how they got on there. And it's it's very much not trying to tell anybody off. Oh, no. But no. it's basically saying that this is why this was important. You've got all these people's, um, you know, the, the community of Harlem was going through an awful lot there. The black community of America was going through an awful lot there because yeah. everybody who seemed like they could get them out of something kept getting fucking assassinated <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah it, it, it's very good but it's also it's not again to use a, a, a good ianism um it's not eating vegetables at all yeah. it's an awful lot of fun as well uh and i don't think you need to know that much about the music to have to have got no to have, uh, have appreciated it absolutely yeah i'd agree with that it will be an awful lot of I know this song. I don't know who it, that, that that was the artist that sung it, but I know this fucking song. For me, it was a lot of. Oh my god, this was by then. Yeah, and, it, <laughs> and there's no problem with that at all. So yeah, that was that was what we've watched this week. Yes. Nice. Uh, I've got a few things to go through. Uh, Sue, so I shall start. 
Um, Edgar Wright's new documentary, The Sparks Brothers, kind of um, jumping off off of the whole music documentary uh, theme. So this is a two hour, 20 minute long look at the uh, pop duo Sparks, uh, who have been around for an insanely long time and are still going. Um, they, I believe they have a written by credit on the new, uh, on Annette, which I mentioned earlier on, yes. they did the music for it. So, and um, yeah, one of the interesting things that came, uh, I, I discovered with this is kind of how closely connected to film they are. Um, they were going to make a film with Jacques Tati uh, back in the day, like a, uh, uh, a Monsieur, uh, Monsieur Hulot film, which they were going to be in. And then in the 90s, uh, they were um, tapped to um, basically write a uh, adaptation of a manga, which was going to be directed by Tim Burton. Um, and uh, the uh, particularly the older uh, uh, Sparks brother, uh, Ron, uh, really kind of goes into just how much he loves cinema. So um, it's kind of an interesting thread there. Um, so Sparks are a band that I basically kind of just knew from that uh this don't be big enough for the both of us song and that's basically it um and it's interesting you know uh, uh, edgar wright has been very 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 busy on social media promoting the film as as so he should and he's been kind of like retweeting and, and liking a lot of things from people saying that like they watch the film and now all they're just listening to sparks constantly and I'm 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 not going to call those people liars, um, but I would say that this film gave me absolutely no inkling to suddenly go out and listen to a load of Sparks. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting because it almost feels like every single album is different from the other one. So I it, it's yeah I mean I I don't know it's odd I can't quite get my head around being so into a band despite their music being so different through the decades but i i'm i'm probably quite close-minded when it comes to music so that's probably more a me thing um but as a depiction of creative artists who give zero shits what anyone say and just keep on doing them uh it's it's really quite heartwarming it's it's uplifting um the top it's it's interesting the talking heads in the film there is a slight susan of are these people some of these people maybe just edgar wright's mates who kind of like sparks <laughs> and i and i i i you know i i think if it means that the film gets seen by more people then absolutely fair enough but there's a couple of people who were in it very, very, very briefly, but they are some of the bigger names out of the talking heads, which did give me some pause. But on the inverse of that, Neil Gaiman does a really, really in-depth look at their album covers. And then oh, that's, that's like, interesting. yeah, and it's like, all right, that dude is obviously a fan and has really been taking the time to look at this shit. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's, um, that, that's really fun. Um, I suppose it's like, I'm more into that than I am Jason Schwartzman going, 
well, who are these guys? You know, I, I, I watched them and I was like, who's this guy with the Hitler mustache? You know, it, it's uh, yeah, I um, I, I, I can't profess to having loved it, but it was obviously made with love uh, by Edgar Wright specifically. Um, and Ron, uh, Ron and Russell uh, Mayle uh, are really, really interesting guys to, to hear from. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I suppose that's it. You know, it's, it, it, it did breeze. It felt its runtime, but felt, it felt like its, its runtime was justified. And it literally goes through, <coughs> excuse me, every single one of their, like their 25 albums. And it doesn't spend as long on some of them as it does on others, but it does go through every single fucking one of them. Which is pretty impressive. Um, and yeah, I, I it, it was good. You know, it was it was good. It felt like a nice passion project for Edgar Wright to do um, before he just kind of dives back into um, making kind of bigger films. And fair play to him. Yeah. Yeah. No, there you go. Um <clears throat> I rewatched G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. <laughs> I fuck it. I really like this film. I, I, I quite like it, actually, yeah. People shit on it. And it's like, it's G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. <laughs> there is a little bit of, a little, with a, with a, what did you expect? <laughs> That's, I'd, you know, Channing Tatum kind of obviously doesn't want to be there and he gave an interview to Howard Stern uh, a few years back where he made clear that essentially he was forced into the film and it's like oh was somebody holding your wife by uh, gunpoint were they Channing um you know it, 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 a little bit fuck off mate um but he obviously doesn't want to be there but Marlon Wayans is having a good time Dennis Quaid is having a good time Christopher Eccleston is getting to do really hardcore Scottish, which I bet he enjoyed. And it's silly and it's goofy, but it's directed by Stephen Summers. So you've got some really competently done action sequences. Um, you, you've got a very, very just cartoony plot. But it's G.I. Joe, the Rose, Rise of Cobra, and I don't care. I'll watch Retaliation again before Snake Eyes comes out. And I always forget that it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays Cobra Commander. Hell yeah, it is. In this one. Yeah. He's he's fucked off before Retaliation comes oh, yeah, out. Yeah, he, he, he fucks right off before Retaliation comes out. Yeah, this is this is the time that Nolan was sniffing around, you know. So it's like he's uh, he's going to be long gone. Um, oh, fuck, I forgot The Rock was in Retaliation. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Channing Tatum's like basically killed off in the first 15 minutes or so. And then it's all, all the rock all the time. Yeah, he plays Roblox, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bruce Willis turns up. Yeah, Bruce Willis plays the original Joe, apparently. Yeah, um, oh, I'm, 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 I think I have to fucking watch these. I Yeah, uh, weirdly, The Rise of Cobra is on Netflix. Retaliation isn't, which is annoying. Um, because it was like after Rise of Cobra, I was like, really fancy fucking watching Retaliation like now. Um, but it was like, I've got to rent it. I'll just 
I'll wait a week and see if it turns up on a streaming service. Um, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. And, um, you know, Snake Eyes has got some really middling reviews, but I'm going to go into it with, I am watching Snake Eyes colon G.I. Joe Origins. Give yeah. me that. Yeah, I, I, that that is the movie that I want out of Snake Eyes. I, I don't want anything profound. I don't want anything new. I want to be just throwaway entertained for a hundred and eight minutes. <laughs> yeah. I want the film that G.I. Joe Cole, uh, that Snake Eyes colon G.I. Joe Origins is. Yeah. That I, is I, what I, I want. Yeah, I, I'm very much, if I can remember too much of, of Snake Eyes uh, I, I, a month after, I might even be a little bit disappointed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, totally. Um, a uh, couple more. So uh, I also watched uh, National Treasure. Um, now, National Treasure. I very much enjoy National Treasure. Got a question, Mark? Because I, 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 Mark, I know you're, you're fond of this. I, yeah. The last scene of the film. Is it a very, very oblique? Well, let me just explain it. So. Uh, Nicholas Cage has been able to buy a lovely country estate with the uh, proceedings from it. Uh, he, he has received from his one percent of the treasure that he of the value of the treasure that he asked for. Um, he and Diane Kruger are talking in the garden. And then Diane Kruger is like, I drew you a map. And Nicholas Cage is like, what of? And Diane Kruger is basically like, well, you're going to have to come and find out. And then they just go running into the house together. And all I could think was, has Diane Kruger made some sort of complicated puzzle, which is basically guiding Nicolas Cage to her fanny? Yep. It's like that one off of Friends with the numbers, I reckon. Yep. What a fucking mental way to end a PG-rated Disney film. <laughs> but I, 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 it gets the Mark Trash seal of approval. <laughs> I, yeah, no, at, but what? I can get a big stamp that just says sleaze. <laughs> like, I just literally, the credits started and I just paused it and I audibly just went, what? <laughs> and I, re- I rewound it and just watched that again. Yeah, that is what I, that is what it is. That, that that's my reading of it. That it is some kind of kinky sex game. It's so fucking weird. I and just the fact that like he is obviously like, oh, that's really exciting. Let's go. And it's almost like he's going to be disappointed when he turn when it turns out it's not an actual treasure. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there's there's uh, there's a case to be made that Diane Kruger's uh, underparts may well be a treasure. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, who's to say? Um, baffling fucking ending to a very fun, family-friendly film. Yeah, the, the, the only drawback of it is it's got John Voight in it. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, quite. Yeah, because Christopher Plummer turns up in the fucking start. Yep. So this is great. Christopher Plummer's in this. I didn't know that. And then John Lavoie come, comes around to dirty up the place. Yeah. And then Sean Bean plays a villain, Ian, 
<laughs> which resulted in multiple scenes of talking about how Ian is going to steal the Declaration of Independence, which I had a great deal of fun with in our WhatsApp chat yesterday, didn't I, Mark? <laughs> you did indeed. So, um, yeah, National Treasure. My last one, also starring a person that you really don't want to be in films, uh, but I'd never seen this before, um, F. F Gary Gray's 90s Samuel L. Jackson starring thriller The Negotiator. Oh, yes. Um, also starring Captain Cancelled himself, Kevin Spacey. Um, <laughs> a, a, a man who keeps on trying to find new ways to cancel himself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I'd never seen The Negotiator before, um, but it's on Amazon Prime in the UK, and um, I had a really good time. Um, good film it's your solid adult aimed big screen thriller that we're not going to get much of going forward because it's on Netflix and it probably doesn't have as starry people in it um so, yeah, for those who haven't seen it, story is Samuel L. Jackson plays a uh, very, very talented hostage negotiator who, uh, through shenanigans, is framed for a murder that he didn't commit. And so the negotiate, uh, the hostage negotiator becomes a hostage taker and Kevin Spacey becomes the negotiator who has to try to um, uh, get him out of that situation. Uh, this time, Paul Giamatti is not going, hey, it's a me, a Paul Giamatti. Um, instead, it's a 90s character, like character actor Paul Giamatti playing a hoodlum who is in the wrong place at the wrong time and becomes one of the hostages. Um, and yeah, it's just this tense Samuel L. Jackson kicking some ass thriller, which has kind of an overarching plot that you can see coming a mile off but little intricacies to it that you don't necessarily um and yeah i was pretty pretty gripped throughout the entire thing to be honest it's um it does feel like that one of those they don't like make them like this anymore kind of things you know it um it's like about two hours 20 minutes long but it kind of it does a run time um and like i say samuel L. jackson i thought was fucking fantastic in it and Kevin Spacey doesn't even dirty it up so much because he's definitely not a co-lead. Yeah. Is the lead of this film. If them on the poster, that strikes to me as a little bit, we're a few years out of Usual Suspects and he kind of put him on the poster. Um, he, like Spacey's not even in it for like the first 45. No, um, no, no. So, um, yeah, um, I, uh, yeah, I had a really, really good time with this. Um, and it leads in nicely to our retro review, which is a 90s thriller like they don't make anymore. Uh, this is Wolfgang Peterson's In the Line of Fire, starring uh, big boy Clint Eastwood, uh, Rene Roux, and uh, a John Malkovich some moments he he donned some costumes and uh yeah you know this was 
in in the realm of the ninth American nineties thriller, a grizzled with a solid character supporting cast around him. This is the the age of um, Harrison Ford in in his Jack Ryan films, and here is Clint Eastwood, and it, it, it's it does feel. It does kind of feel like Clint Eastwood in this is playing a who was in a bunch of films prior. Yeah. It, it feels lived in, does this film. So I'm going to start with a question for Mark. Mark. Yes. On rewatch, were you at all worried that this capsize when John Malkovich turns up in that long haired get up across Clint Eastwood? looking really obviously shifty um the thing is i i i i know i'd see, I knew I'd seen it but it's been a long long time since i'd seen this so when you did mention that you'd watched it i, I was very much like oh i've hovered over that for a while but the fact that it, it it's two and a bit hours long and always kind of made me go mm, maybe not um really? yeah flies by. but yeah there was a little bit i i, I I remember there being more Malkovich and uh, um, Eastwood sort of together bouncing mm. off each other. Uh, and that was when I thought, oh, wow, this has come earlier than I thought. And so I was a little bit like, right, is it just with that? But then, you know, it, it goes back into being essentially like the cat and mouse thing with them too. And it, it, it works really quite well. And Becky. Well. How fucking hot did you think the Clint Eastwood Rene Russo getting down to its scene was? Because I'll be honest, like it, the cum was flying everywhere in the Loring household. Well, the one where where they're dropping guns and stuff everywhere. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I found that whole bit a bit what? gross, what? a bit icky. Uh, why? Because he's an awful lot older than her. And it's like, it's going back, like, it's calmed down a little bit now because filmmakers get called out for it now when they put a super old male lead with a hot young female love interest. And, but it just, like, the... Yeah, all right, pans out in the end, but the kind of the persistence and the lack of accepting that she just wasn't interested was just a bit like... This this wouldn't really fly now. Just accept the no and fucking get on with your day. You're old enough to be a grandpa. But I think that the, the film does reference that. Mm, it just felt a bit grim to me. That's fair enough. I mean, it's not, but fair enough. Not that it's not <laughs> a, a very attractive older dude. A charming fuck. And and charismatic and charming and all this kind of stuff. And you know what? Young ladies that want to go for older men, whatever floats your fucking boat. But it just felt a bit like he just kept pushing, and she was like, "No, I'm not interested." No, she clearly was. She was going on a fucking date. What? That bit of the Lincoln thing. That was a, that was a fair one. Oh. It's not like he forces himself on her or anything. No, no. Like, no, I'm not saying he does. I'm not saying it's like rapey or anything. I just, it just felt a bit like, I don't know. Just a bit icky. I, mean, I, I, I genuinely didn't get that. That's fine. Because it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, he is a good deal older than her. Like, that's that's absolutely... Because what, she's... 
what, late 30s, early 40s than this? Uh, I would say mid 40s, I think. And he's, he's what, like mid 60s? Oh, yeah, he, 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 he's supposed to be a good sort of 20, 25 years old for this, sure. Yeah, so I, I, it's no, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I get what Banks is saying. I, I think it's relatively tastefully done, but yeah, but I, yeah. and I, I'm, I'm, I was obviously I'm taking the piss when I talk about cotton flight. <laughs> just like the fact that, like, how do they depict them getting down to it? Just all the shit they're taking off, and it, it almost became like a scene from Hot Shots for me, where like Nate's like he was going to be dropping like a baguette and she was going to be dropping like a toaster and you know like (laughs) yeah yeah there's so much shit that they're fucking dropping and then when Um, she gets a telephone call and she has she goes up into the bathroom and she's just gathering all of her stuff off the floor to take into the bathroom he's just laid there and got like gotta pull that back on now (laughs) yeah yeah no it's um yeah i know it's odd but no i mean i i just i I, 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 I'm pretty sure I've seen this before. This, I think, was one of the films that I basically stuck on my fucking iPod or iPhone or whatever back in the day when I used to work in the projection booth. And when I didn't have a print to preview at like midnight, just waiting for the films to run their course, I'd just stick a film on on my phone and watch it. And I got through a lot of content o- over those few years that way. And In the Line of Fire was definitely one of those. Um, so now watching it kind of like on a bigger screen and whatnot, it, it was just like, this is solid as fuck. You know, it's it spends a good amount of time just show, showing how charismatic, but how kind of like damaged Clint's character is. And yeah, I... I've obviously, obviously, I've got a lot of problems with latter day Clint and like how his politics infects his filmmaking. Um, but for a purely star turn in this, mm-hmm. it's fucked. It's a game shit. It really is. Um, I know, mean, Clint Eastwood at, at at this point, you know, even being Clint Eastwood in his mid sixties was the biggest movie star in, in the world around about this point mm. you know he, he, he was having consistent this I mean this was you know I mean it was Unforgiven the year before or the year after you know he was for I want to say yeah there, there was a new like big Clint movie coming out like literally every year so you know there was Unforgiven the year before it was ninety two was Unforgiven. Um, so yeah, it was. Um, now it'd be weird to have like, like essentially again the nineties were a great time for action thrillers. Yeah. And for you know conspiracy thrillers or these kind of movies. Um, that were then, you know, we've watched a bunch from this year, haven't we, Vax? Um, oh, yeah. And, I mean, you look at it in, you know, Clint had Unforgiven. In this year, he had um, Another Fire uh, and A Perfect World uh, both came out. Um, 
and then you know he brings Madison County in afterwards, and then you know absolute power and like true kind of space cowboys and stuff like that. He was he was still churning out movies that were making an awful lot of the box office. Mm. And it's you know it's a great movie. I think it deals with like the ageism of it very well as well, like how how he's disregarded by the younger whippersnappers that he once was. And his experience is kind of skimmed over and he ends up being right. I think that's, it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, the whole what is Malkovich actually up to thing, I thought was really well played as well. And more so in a way where it kind of cuts back to him doing mysterious shit quite a lot. And then the resolution is... Oh no, he was just posting those checks so that he could get a good seat at dinner. And yes. he's building that gun just so he can get through security. Like it's not necessarily like the like the revelations are that surprising or anything, but just the level at which it goes back to him. And that fucking extraordinary scene where he basically goes to get rid of um, any fucking evidence and whatnot and kills that bank teller woman. Where yeah. Mark was slandering that dog as well. He's a shit guard dog, isn't he? He's not a fucking leash, Mark. He didn't try hard enough, did he? I mean, he couldn't do out. Didn't try hard enough. <laughs> Where's but that I... dog come from? Come through the doggy door. What was a doggy door? Yeah, doggy I had dog. to explain the whole concept of doggy doors. I mean, you're, just asking, you're, just, you're just asking to get murdered if you've got a door that is I mean, big enough are, yeah. for a big old fucking dog to get yeah. through it. Yeah. But I just the whole kind of like happenstance of <laughs> she was just, she was also born in Missouri or Minneapolis or wherever it was. Yeah. You know, I, like that, that cruel twist of fate thing. It's fucking brutal. And I mean, like it, it, it just... Again, linking back to Don't Breathe, for me, it's on that level as if in the line of fire too, it turned out that he's not actually dead and this time he's, Malkovich is the hero. Yeah. I mean, there's even the bit where, he, where he's testing out the what is it? Um, oh, and he just gun. shoots those guys. And the guys come over and he's like, and, and he goes, he just shoots him because he shot a duck. <laughs> yeah. He's always going to shoot them because he was there. But it's, the, it, it's just the callous way that he's like, just kind of sat shooting his, his, his homemade gun. These two guys come over, there's a chat with him. And the minute they get over there, there's not like a, oh shit, I'm going to have to kill the, I'm gonna, you know, these guys. What is it? He's very much like, yeah, you can have a go with my gun. Of course you can. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. I'm glad they've got to kill you now. Why? Bang, bang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, but again, it, it, you mentioned this, didn't you, Bex, um, with Malkovich. He, He's always, he's, I don't, I don't think Malcolm is one of those people who's always good in things. I think he has capacity to be too much. Mm. But he's always going to be, if Malkovich turns up in summit, you go, oh, okay, this is going to be at least interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he, he, he's always. Well, this is that kind of film. Yeah, he's always doing something. Yeah. And I, 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 I think he's actually very good in this. And this was the bit that kind of, this was the film that kind of made him a little bit. Yeah. Um. But then he always wanted to be kind of the other person in something. He's never wanted to be a lead in things. He's always wanted to be one or two steps down. 
uh, for that. He, he's very much a character actor by choice um, from this. But it is, it's, it's just a really solid, entertaining film. It is, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not fucking changing the world or anything, but it's, it's doing what it does very well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, our audience. I mean, I, I'm definitely not shit on it. it, it oh, yeah, it's definitely, really, yeah, definitely yeah. not shit. It's a really good watch. Uh, and our audience, Paul, definitely not shit. Eighty percent. Um, and shit twenty percent. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Cool. So, um, now we talk about the retro review for not next week's show, but the week after, where patrons are able to vote on it. So, we will be picking a film each to put up for vote, and the patrons get to vote. My film for nomination is Blade. What's Mark's? Uh, I've gone for of Gods and Monsters because um, we spoke about it briefly earlier, um, and it's a really good film. To be honest, uh, I, I would I would quite like to watch it, but I'd quite like to watch Blade as well. Becky, yeah. um, also Gods and Monsters. Uh, I believe Brendan Fraser got nominated for a Golden Globe for it. Nice. That yeah. sounds right. And it, it, it's very much, it's not, it's not a Brendan Fraser performance that you'd expect coming from that era of Brendan Fraser, and he's very, very good in it. Cool, cool. Sweet. What's yours, Bex? I'm gonna lighten stuff up a bit. Oh yeah, go on. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Lapita Castle in the Sky. Fair enough. Oh shit! Cool. Okay. Get into the oh. environmental implications of shit. Okay. So, it is Blade, it is Gods and Monsters, and it is Laputa Castle in the Sky. A poll will be going up on uh, Patreon uh, around the same time as this episode, if you want to have your say, and you're not a patron, patreon.com forward slash filmbastards, and we will be reviewing that on the show, not make up the week after. So, that'll do it for this week's show. Oh, we've got questions. Oh, I'm so sorry, of course we do, Mark. Yes, quick total question. Um, TDB73, the Jim Prince. Uh, if the horse was to take part in an Olympic sport, which one would they be most likely to get a medal in? Are we going like serious answers on this? You can do. You can go out whichever way you want. Because I mean, yours will be one of the equestrian ones, won't that? Yeah, because from... country or show jumping. Yeah. Yeah. Horsey shit. Not horsey dancing, though. Although I was quite good at that, but it's very disciplined and I can't be bothered with that. I don't need that kind of negativity in my life anymore. Yeah, it does seem very disciplined. Horse dancing's fun, though. Also known as dressage. And what would be, what would be our joke one? I don't know. I haven't thought of a joke one. Ian, do you have a serious one on a joke one? Uh, I'm, I just need to check something about Olympic sports. If you check it to see if that, that what you're about to say is actually an Olympic sport. Yeah. <laughs> and like surfing and sharing it this year aren't they good we should be you know i was gonna say i hope that's not the answer you think i'm giving (laughs) (laughs) what's yours what i could have that i would actually be quite good in karate because i was actually very good at karate and did actually compete 
But you're made of brittle sticks now, man. And then I'm in a brittle sticks now, yes. Uh, but I did actually compete um, for Britain at junior levels <laughs> in, in karate. So. Was that back before you turned your kneecap inside out? It was back before I turned my kneecap inside out, yes. Well done. Uh, before I lost all my cartilage. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did that and came third in under 13 for Britain. Wow. Wow. Good. Yeah. Have you got a joke on? I think horsey shit should be um, a joke. No, Christ, no. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I, I came third because I got disqualified in the semi-final. Oh. About elbowing somebody in the face. I don't think that's allowed. It's not allowed, not at all. It was an accident, kind of. I could have got my elbow out of the way, but I didn't, is what I would say there. Uh, there, but I didn't physically elbow the guy in the face. I just didn't move my elbow when his face was moving it was my elbow, and I probably should have. You mean that on him? Uh, well, that was kind of my argument. Uh, but technically, it still counts as a disqualification. Yeah. To be fair, I wouldn't have won. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever actually won the semi final either. Oh, okay. So, I'm, But I was very happy with the fact that I got third. That's very good. Yeah. Very good. Ian? Yeah. Uh, serious answer, rugby. Joke answer, artistic swimming. I think you could, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd watch the shit out of that. My joke answer is javelin. Another crazy story of a javelin. I, uh, I competed for Yorkshire at the, what is it, games? At like the, you know, like the school's games? Yeah. Uh, in javelin. Okay. Um, I was shit at javelin. You have no depth. Um, it's it's just that um, when they you did the qualifiers in they did them in schools, mm. and so basically you did like a load of events, and you got to pick a few events that you could do. And I picked javelin because I didn't really care about any of these things because I liked football, mm-hmm. um, and football wasn't one of them. Um, and so I threw two javelins, uh, just threw it three times. I did my first two heats and terrible in them, and then threw one that went the furthest, and it was a pure fluke, like completely. My form was terrible. Yeah, I still got picked to go to the games thing, nice. and I was shit because yeah. <laughs> I couldn't throw a javelin at all. I got lucky once. <laughs> Do you know what I was really good at at sports day? What? The egg and spoon race. That's not a real thing. I mean, it is a real thing. It's I, a real thing in the Olympics. I was, I was terrible be. at it because um, of my, my hyper-competitiveness around of that time, and I would literally just shake people's arms until they dropped it. You should be really good at egg and spoon race. You've got a very low centre of gravity because of your very short legs and long torso. I do, yes, have a very um, low centre of gravity because of my wicked long torso. Um, Rick Kidd at Rick J. Kidd. Well, you're actually like six inches shorter than me, and my, your legs are longer than mine somehow. <laughs> it's weird. Um... After the Suicide Squad, what are you more eager to see James Gunn do next? Another Guardians of the Galaxy film, another Suicide Squad film, or something else? If so, what? Um, could be a little bit controversial here, perhaps. Um, James Gunn seems very, very happy in the in the the worlds in which he is in at the moment, and I'll be honest not a massive fan of his horror output um kind of happy for him to keep on earning some fucking fat paychecks making comic book movies well if this seems to be what he wants to do so 
him do him or watch him. Well, I'm going to actually agree with you on that as well. <laughs> um, I would much rather see James Gunn. I, I, I enjoyed Super enough. I wasn't that big a fan of Slither. Um, I would be very happy to watch another Guardians film or another Suicide Squad film or if he was to do something else a little bit out there. But I do like the fact that... Um, I mean, very quick, I won't get into it, but the Suicide Squad... Um, I like the fact that we got a we got a two hundred million dollar trauma movie. Uh, more into that when we speak about it next week. Um, but also, I think when he's got a big old box of toys to play with, mm. it's better. He's a very much mm. every penny is on the screen kind of director, and I think he can both work within his own mind and within the what the studio want. He can get those both out there quite nicely. He can temper himself down so his comedy is relevant. I mean, this is a guy who wrote the Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> so he can temper his, his comedy and his output to whatever kind of cert he's been allowed to work with. It's why Guardians is just as enjoyable as, again, spoiler alert, the Suicide Squad, as the Suicide Squad. And one's a an R and one's PG-13. Suicide Squad's 15. R in America. Ah. Um, So, yeah, so, you know, I'd prefer prefer Steve sticking doing doing that. If we're choosing between Guardians of the Galaxy and more Suicide Squad movies, I would lean more towards Suicide Squad movies because I just enjoy violence. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. And there's less Chris Pratt. Also fair. Unless he, unless he brings him along with him. What's that? No. Unless he gets him killed off as one of the members of the Suicide Squad. I would, I would watch that. I, I, yeah. If, 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 if there's a Suicide Squad member that is like called like the fucking, like the pastor or something like that. God, yeah. And he's just a real bad dickhead <laughs> trying to like gay convert people. And then he gets like killed. <laughs> Amazing. That would be great. Anyway. Nice. Guys. <laughs> But yeah, that was our questions. Uh, great questions this week. Like genuinely, really fucking good questions this week. Yeah, nice one, nice one, guys. Um, okay, so coming up on next week's show, uh, as we said earlier on, uh, it's going to be a mainly live in-person recording where we will be talking the Suicide Squad. Uh, at least Mark and I will be talking about the film based on a Twitter thread, Zola, and God knows what else. Yeah, just, just, God knows. Fucking ramblings, probably. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be one of those shows. (laughs) Yeah, it's. We have a geek off. I think the geek off, I'd say, would probably be on the pod syndicate bonus feed. Yes, I would say so, possibly, unless we try to hijack it. I, I think that would be unfair. (laughs) (laughs) The bastards were there. Yeah, it'll be on the bonus feed because there's, 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 there's other podcasts involved. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, that will do it for this week. Did all the preamble earlier on. So, I'm going to get the fuck out of your ears. Mark, get the fuck out of their ears, please. With, with great delight. And I have left a, a big old mess.
Becky, I cannot yeah. stress how much you need to get the fuck out of their ears. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Alright, and me, I mean, nobody wanted me hosting it anyway. So I I think I just need to say bye. I'll fuck off out of your ears and uh, please reinsert us into your holes next week. Bye. (laughs) Bye. This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.